Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am, as, uh, as always, your host, Stephen Murphy, and I'm joined by the regular rugby crew of Sam and Westy. And we are a bit late in our recording uh, due to us being have been in Paris over the weekend. We were over in France for the World Cup. Uh, we were at the Irish game, which we'll get stuck into. We're all still a bit uh, depressed about that. Uh, also, the weather's not helping, that's for sure. It's been absolutely awful since we've come home. Uh, beautiful weather for four days in Paris, a little bit cold, but sunshine every day, and then you come home to uh, yellow rain warning in Galway <laughs> for two days straight. So, uh, nice welcome back for us. But anyway, we'll check in with the lads as always. Sam, how have you? How are you been? How has been home or been uh, been back since uh, Paris? I'm trying to catch up. I'm so tired since coming back myself. And Wesley flew back the day before you got back into Shannon midday on Monday. Had a bit of a relaxing day on Monday and back into work Tuesday and Wednesday. So I'm still trying to catch up with myself, trying to get my voice back, which is hard when you're a teacher. You you find a losing battle if you're trying to find your voice from the start of the week as opposed to the end of the week. Uh, But I'm probably just about over the match. I watched it back. Sun or Monday when I got back instantly because I was like I want to, I need to just get the watching back over and done with uh, and that reset all of the emotions again <laughs> having kind of dampened them down with Panu Chocolat in Paris on Sunday and now we're going to have to talk about it so I was going to bring them right back up to the top there uh, which is it's not going to be easy but this this might be the this might be the final nail in the coffin of the the feelings towards it it might be roll on australia in four years time from this moment onwards yeah i i haven't i, I don't i can't remember a loss or in a sporting occasion that i've been so like gutted about i don't know because we we're there in person i don't know if it's just i don't know uh i don't I know think why, being there in person heightens it probably does sure. if i was watching at home maybe i would have been i would have been over it by now but yeah this is like a therapy a closure i need, I need closure right now westy are you in the same boat as me or are you are you over it like sam I don't know if I'm fully over it just yet. Um, so I only brought myself to watch it back um, yesterday, kind of, and a part of it again today. But um, yeah, I kind of tried to uh, ignore anything rugby related for the last. You know, on Monday I couldn't, I couldn't look at anything, um, and mostly yesterday, like I, I avoided the normal kind of podcasts that I listen to. Were kind of, you know, I know we'd we'd be done by that stage as well. So you'd, you know, you'd be kind of seeing what else is out there. Not that I particularly wait for any reason but like yeah it's just been a tough one even you know like going into work every morning and or you know sorry working every morning because I work from home primarily but it's just been you know trying to find motivation to get my life back together after rugby is um has been tough but I think as well like it's okay yeah being there is one thing but I think uh and we can get on to this later on but like I think we were all just so confident that we were gonna get it done um and it's the manner of well, the manner of the loss, but uh, been so close yet so far away, I think, is, is a more bitter place. I think when, when we got fairly well hockeyed by them in Japan, nobody was asking any questions. You know, we'd lost Japan in the groups. We'd, we'd limped on through and, and got them. But yeah, this time around, I think it's a bit more... Um, when you when you can't say, oh, we're we're a better team, we're, we're this, we're that, it's like, no, no, he just lost, like, tough. This is why it's so easy being a Scotland fan. You're never that close, you know. There's never any. There's no real hope, you know. It's just so much easier. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm lashing out. I'm sorry. I'm just hope in a bad place you. right now. Punch I'm in down, a bad place nerd. right now. Punch down. Make <laughs> yourself feel better. 
I'm in, I'm in a bad emotional place right now, okay? I also don't blame anyone who doesn't listen to podcasts this week. I probably wouldn't if I didn't make one. So, understand, understandable if, if people want to take this week off and come back for some... Thank God we have the URC back this weekend. At least that's something that we can, you know, sink our teeth I'm into. so excited for Saturday. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm ready to be hurt again. I was going to say, nothing like a heartbreaking loss this weekend for Connacht to really get us back into the swing of things. Um, like a drop kickoff first play of the game to really yeah, set the yeah. tone for the year. <laughs> can't yeah, exactly, wait exactly but we'll get, we'll get into the quarterfinals we'll start with the first one which is Saturday uh, at evening afternoon at, at uh, in France Wales Argentina Argentina come out in top 29.17 having been 10 nil down uh, in the first what 15-20 minutes uh, an amazing comeback from Argentina they are through to the semi-finals uh, after having lost pretty pretty comprehensively in their first group game against England uh, and Wales's kind of run of, uh, of 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 wins, as you say, has come to an end as well in the quarterfinal stage. Uh, Westy, uh, obviously delighted for Argentina. What were your thoughts uh, on this game? Yeah, it's a funny one because we were we went out to the stadium in Paris quite early, so we didn't see it live. We were following the game along, kind of the updates, and you know we're quite shocked when we saw the the final result versus maybe the halftime score. Um, I thought it's a funny one to watch. I always find it funny watching the game back when you know the score. Although watching the Ireland game back, I did find myself standing for the last few phases. But anyway, um, it was a funny one because as we had seen the score taken over, it looked like Wales were kind of on top for most of the game. But I thought Argentina really came out of the blocks fire and they really threw everything at Wales for the first 15 minutes or so. And, and you know, Wales capitalised off. Wales were very clinical in the two or three chances that they got to kind of start to pull ahead. But... Um, I was surprised at how well Argentina started the game. Uh, and then, um, I mean, not so surprised, but how kind of Wales' game management kind of kind of kicked in. But um, I think it was, you know, it, I don't want to call it a sloppy game, but it was quite a frantic game is a better word. And, you know, some people look at games like that and say, oh, the, you know, the standard or whatever is miles away from the standard of, of other games. But I love games like that. I love games where it's everybody's going hell for now. They're diving on loose balls. You know, there's, there's a lot... Uh, there's a lot of passion. There's a lot of like um, people are doing everything they can to try and get a leg up. And I was really, really proud of the way Argentina, really happy for the way Argentina built back into the game, the way they started the second half again with that same flair and drive and passion that they started the first half with. Except this time they start getting, you know, they start capitalizing on it. So um, I think many people kind of uh, in the media and on comms and, you know, maybe myself included sometimes wrote Argentina off after the England game, but forgetting just how well they played during the rugby championship. You know, they, they beat Australia. They pushed South Africa quite close. These big performances are in them. And while I don't think uh, they're necessarily the best team left in the quarter in, in the competition, I think this has shown that they still know how to get a win. I think, as I said last week, they took a lot of confidence from beating Japan. They beat a good Japan team in a really, really good game. Um, and now they were able to kind of to back themselves and 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 get the win over you know a, a Wales team that like overall did very little wrong. And my heart breaks for young Sam Costello because you know that pass. Nicolas Sanchez is 15 years older than him. He's been there, seen everything. He knew where that pass was going. He picked it off and ran the pitch. And that wasn't the losing of the game, but for a young lad to, to throw that pass and and now perceive it as oh well, they ended up being. Uh, 10 points ahead because of my pass um yeah it's just a really tough thing to take but i think it was i think it was the drive and the you know the overall flair and talent of argentina that got them over the line i think they were 
but they don't understand the meaning of the word die. And that's a feeling that Ireland have been receiving end of many times before. Yeah, I think that's fair. Sam Wales bound out the quarter final, but going undefeated in the group. Um, you know, especially with the, the with the darkness and maybe confusion that was of coming into this World Cup under Gatland, we didn't know what they were. H- how do you think they view this World Cup? Welsh fans will be disappointed because they're a passionate bunch of fans and they're a huge rugby nation, but they'll be disappointed not from the start to now. They'll be disappointed from kind of the the goings on over the last couple of months, but they'll probably take this with a little bit of optimism, considering where they were just before this World Cup. They'll look at it as a chance to to build Gatland, and not just not his own decision. Some players chose to leave the camp, but Gatland, you know, his hand was forced a little bit with some of the selections, brought through some young people, made new captains. Some players are retiring. Some players had left the camp just they didn't want to be involved. Some had left Wales, which meant that they couldn't be involved, and all those things added up to, you know, there was a good bit of pessimism going into this World Cup. A lot of people tipped them to not get out of the group, and they did quite well in the group, playing the style of rugby that they played. And they've gone out here in, I'd say, a fair position. They're probably this probably does reflect where they are at the moment. But a Welsh fan will look at this and go, "Okay, we were shit going into the World Cup. We pulled our socks up a little bit. Gatlin got the best out of them. We know Gatlin can get the best out of players when he's given an opportunity to do it. We know he's a smart coach. We know what he can build, and he he has a good core of players there to build with. So." They'll be slightly optimistic, if not disappointed, that they went out in a quarterfinal the same way that we are. It's, you know, you want better for your team. And Welsh fans, they're very passionate. They're, they're very rugby-centric in their views. So they will, even though this is probably better off than they thought they would get to, they will still be disappointed after result because it was probably there for them as well. There's an opportunity there to beat an Argentina and move on. You know, we're look, we were talking about the size of the draw. It seems to be the main topic of conversation the last couple of weeks. And this was an opportunity for them to capitalize on what looked at the time like a struggling Argentina. So, yeah, they'll they'll have they'll have mixed emotions about it as I would if I was a Welsh fan. Yeah, it's a strange one because you sort of have a bit of hope now going into the next four years. You have a bit of continuity, but then I don't know. Do you want Gatlin for the next four years? I don't know. It's a strange one for Welsh fans. I don't know how they do feel, but. Um, it could have been a lot worse this World Cup, and I don't think it could have been much better. You may have snuck a semi-final, but I think that's kind of where your road is coming to an end anyway. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they're like now the next year or two. I think Gatland has done a good job of like you've seen a you've seen a number of really big names leave or declare that they are leaving and not go to this World Cup, uh, and I think he's done a good job of regenerating. Uh, he's mixed youth with experience in this squad and. That bodes well for the coming Six Nations in the next couple of years. Whether or not the fans want him is out of the question. Like he's he's signed on for as long as he's signed up on, and I don't think that they'll be looking with the the goings on behind the scenes in Wales. I don't think they'll be looking to move him on. I'd say that having Gatland is the one kind of shining light of solidity that they can they can hang their hat on as a as a union. So I don't think that you'll see him moved on unless it's on his own his own doing. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Argentina, they obviously go into the semi-final now. They will be, I don't think they fear, I don't think they fear anyone, but they won't be fearing New Zealand. They, they've beaten New Zealand, was it last year or the year before? Um, both. Both, yeah, both is right. Yeah, so they, they have good recent history, not that that did much for us uh, <laughs> on Saturday night. But, um, they, you know, they're, they're they're one of those teams where I think we were, we were talking about it if we did face them in the semi-final before the game. 
Um, I would have, that's why I said I would have rather faced Wales just because Argentina can click on the right night and it can be it can be very very difficult to stop. Uh, I think New Zealand will feel that way as well going into semi final. But um, you know, I said Argentina they they always they always punch above. I feel like uh, you know their ranking when it comes to World Cups. Uh, and this is another one where they just have gone. They started really poorly, but it seemed to galvanise them, uh, and they went from strength to strength, uh, and they still are. So who knows? I'd be interested to see that same final how it pans out. But right, we'll move on. We have to talk about it. Ireland, New Zealand, New Zealand come out on top, twenty eight points, twenty four, in the Stade de France. We were there. We had great seats. Uh, I will. Let's before we get into the game. I just want to say one of the best things in life is when you go into a stadium and you see the pitch for the first time especially a stadium like Stade de France that was amazing I really really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the whole trip bar though the, the, the following 80 minutes of rugby but the uh, stadium was beautiful I feel like no matter what seat you had you would have had a great seat the the ordering beers from your seat that's a fantastic system um, at one stage I turned around and West had 8 beers uh, in his hand, um, dishing them out like they were nothing, uh, and it was a great. Overall very experience. generous, I know. Very, we're all very generous when we're drunk. I'll tell you that, um, we're all very, very generous. But no, we got you know it was, it was a great overall experience. But the game, you know, the, the build up, the, the the national anthems, the hacker was all, uh, it was all just so much fun. But the game didn't go our way. I I don't know if I'll start off, lads. I have so many mixed emotions about the game, and especially in the following days. Straight afterwards, I was just deflated. Um, I, I the last the last few days, I've kind of gotten a bit of anger about it, but it's not anger towards players. It's not anger towards coaching staff necessarily. It's just anger that we didn't do it. That we, you know, when you look back at certain talk, talking points, two yellow cards from New Zealand. Uh, and, and and we didn't capitalise on that. Every time I felt like we did something good, every time we scored a try, I feel like the next three or four minutes we did something stupid that, that took away all the momentum, some uncharacteristics, mistakes. I don't know. Like We've, we've a lot of talking points to get through. I don't know. Westy, I don't know. Have you, have you, are you the same? Do you have mixed emotions about the game so far? Honestly, I feel like I'm in a therapy session here. I'm struggling. Yeah, I, I think when we left the stadium... I felt we were the better team. And it was only then thinking back on it the next day where I was like, wait, hold on. No, we weren't the better team. Three scrum penalties. Our lineup didn't function great. Um, at the time, I was questioning some of our decisions to go for the corner instead of taking the points. Um, but then, like, two of our tries come directly off us going for the corner as opposed to taking the points. So, you know, you can't then give out that one of the times you went to the corner, we didn't, we went away with nothing. Like, you have to, you either play those margins or you don't. And, of course, you can... You know, you can make a decision based on the current situation. You don't have to do either one all the time. But I feel like, you know, just because one or two don't go your way doesn't mean that uh, it's not an effective strategy. I I think that, unfortunately, we didn't play our best. And I'm not saying that New Zealand played the best they can play, but they played the best they've played in a while. Um, maybe the best they've played since the middle of the Rugby Championship uh, back in August when they beat South Africa in uh, Mount Smart. Um but yeah, I, I think we were just slightly off the ball. You see things like um, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go into specifics on who, who's who, but certain uh, uncharacteristic mistakes from certain players, and then th- the most isolated runners I've ever seen us have, where one person taken up alone and gets jackaled and turned over, and um, against a team like New Zealand, who are, are are at worst a breakdown threat. You know, there's so many um, threats around the park. Um, to not get somebody on the hip and to not protect that ball, it, it seems criminal. It seems criminal that it keeps repeating. I think um, 
they it, it's typical New Zealand fashion in a way that they they kind of created chances out of nothing, but while also just being class at rugby, a, a kick over the top to find space, a step and a pass back inside, and and they're running the pitch. You know, it's it's that kind of threat that you you know New Zealand can hit you at any time. It all just seemed like. I heard someone else say this during the week, but it felt like we had to work so hard for our scores. Although, when we were getting our scores, I felt like we were completely on top. We were completely in control of the game. So, um, yeah, I think a bit of a terry possession is needed. I think, look, they, they were close to their best. I'm not going to say that's the best they could be, but the best they've been in a while. And we weren't in our best. And unfortunately, for whatever reason that was, it's just not good enough. I do still think that it's the bounce of a ball in the game. Like, it still could have gone either way. But, um, as I say, it hurts that bit more because... You know, it was such a close game, and we do feel like there are areas of the game where we could have been better. So, yeah, it's a tough one to to resolve in a mind. I think that that's where I keep getting torn. I, I keep I'm the same way. I'm like, we didn't play our best, but yet we've strung thirty something phases together at the end of the game. Not one misplaced pass, not one turnover, well, not not one knock on. We were a, a, an amazing Jordy Barrett hold over or hold up of a try from winning. And I'm like, okay, we obviously did play well. And then I'm also like, well, no, we, we conceded scrum penalties. Our line wasn't very good. Um, a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes. And I'm like, that's where I keep getting torn. Sam, does that make sense? Like, I, I can see where we played well. And then I'm like, oh, my God, we were we were quite poor in areas. It's so it's so confusing for my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd go back to what Wesley said about the bounce of the ball. It's literally two bounces of the ball. It's the Bowden Barrett uh, recovering his own chip over instead of it bouncing into... Keenan's hands uh, and then they scored the try from that and then it's bouncing over Dan Sheehan on the wing after Max Crossfield uh, that's two bounces of the balls and that's two two completely different outcomes to the game and I think if though if either one of those had been different and we had won the game New Zealand have the exact same conversation where they go I don't think we played badly but we had these mistakes and these mistakes and these mistakes and that's what happens when you lose you contextualize if we had won that game those problems wouldn't have come to the fore we wouldn't be concentrating on a couple of scrum penalties or a couple of mishaps at lineouts but that's what you have to do when you're digesting these games from the losing side and that's what management will have to address going forward is what has happened there there was some uncharacteristic solo running like Wesley said players getting isolated there was some moments of brilliance but there was also probably and it's very hard harsh on the Irish uh, coaches but probably a little bit out tactics by New Zealand because New Zealand haven't been the New Zealand of old you know I've read a couple of uh, reports from New Zealand about the match and one described it as the best All Blacks performance in 10 years. And for them to have their best performance, for a team like New Zealand to have their best performance, obviously uh, subjectively, but their best performance in 10 years, and for them to beat us by less than a score, that shows a lot of where we are. And that's no consolation because we're out of the World Cup, but it just shows that you know teams aren't usually perfect. Matches aren't usually flawless. But when you get the win, those things are completely disregarded by the fan base, not the management. And that what would have happened if we had won. We would have forgotten about those things. And we would have said, oh, no, we didn't look tired. We managed the game really well and we smart, outsmarted them. So it, it's a hard one to take. It's so funny, Wesley. I felt the exact same as you. I remember texting my partner on the way out being like, I can't believe we lost that. I never believed we lost that. During that 38 phases, I was convinced, you know, a team like New Zealand, who are notorious for a breakdown penalty or two, were going to give us something. And they just didn't. They were they were clean as a whistle. And when I got home, she said, what do you mean? Like you were, you, you didn't believe we were going to win. And the three or four people like herself and a couple of people in work I've talked to said that watching the game from home the entire time, they never felt like Ireland were going to win. It didn't, they didn't have that same aura as previous games in this World Cup and the last 18 or so games that they've played. They didn't have that kind of convincing aura about them. And when I watched it back, I went, 
yeah, you're right. We got isolated really early in the game. Not even like late when heads were gone. We got isolated early in the game. Tactically wise, you know, we probably, it's a, it's a harsh, I don't want to single out players, especially after retired, but probably should have moved Sexton because he does look dead on his feet after 60. And the rest of the team also do. You know, there's there's other integral players to the uh, the game management side of things that aren't, you know, they aren't, they don't look great. They're, they're tired as anything. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Porter plays most 70 75 79 minutes of the game you know Clue coin probably 77 yeah at least 75 you know like porter is integral to a lot of what irish do ireland do but you need to have a prop changing at 65 it just is the modern way of rugby so there's a lot to digest from an irish point of view the bounce of a ball changes the narrative and it, it makes it very hard and i've never experienced a deflation like i've experienced in that stadium it, the 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 polar opposite of the feeling at the end of the South Africa game, which was just an amazing aura and kind of relief of pressure and just feeling. And then you get to that one where I still was convinced in that 38 phases, we were going to win it. And then when it happened, because the amount of Irish people there, the bubble just burst and it just, it sucked the life out of me. It really like, it hit me like a punch in the chest, but watching it back, there's some sensational New Zealand performances. I think that since coming back from fitness, Jordy Barrett has, revolutionized them in the center i think he's just a world-class 12 uh, i thought Ardi save i thought sam kane were just amazing uh, and i thought that they did probably just have our number and might have been motivated from the results in new zealand last year it might have been the bounce of a ball whatever it was new zealand are never to be written off and they, they showed again why you can't just on the deflation point as well before we move on like we we're spent not all the whole day clarify, we're here for at least 20 minutes <laughs> We spent most of the day, sorry, debating what we're going to do kind of after the game and Sunday. Like, not, not not in a way that we were like, oh, once we get this game out of the way. Like, we were really excited. We were buzzing. We were like, oh, maybe we'll go back to that pub after the game uh, and we'll see what the crack is. And we're like, oh, maybe we'll see if we can pick up some tickets for the game tomorrow. Like, I think the three of us looked at each other after, like, 10 minutes after final whistle, we're still sitting in our seats and then let's just go home. <laughs> like, let, let's just go back to the hotel and have a pint because, like, it, like you, you kind of couldn't stay around it anymore. It felt like everything was just... Uh, you know, reminding you were kind of uh, rubbing salt in the wound, kind of kind of a sense. Uh, and even I was talking to three lads in the uh, in the fan zone on Sunday. We were watching just after the England game, and they were saying, "Yeah, they were they had tickets. They were going to go out to the match, and they just couldn't bear going back to to Stade de France." So, you know. Yeah, on the we got an Aer Lingus flight back yesterday. Myself and my girlfriend, our fiance. And uh, as we were boarding, I was wearing my green Irish polo, and she's like, "Oh, are we over the game yet?" And me and a guy right behind me both said at the same time, "No, not even, not <laughs> even close." So uh, a lot of sad heads on that flight back yesterday. We give but... a big shout out to La Mademoiselle. We have yes, to, well. yes, we the have Pope to. Of Paris, anyone who's knocking around the national uh, area of Paris, La Mademoiselle. He's the soundest pub in the world and the most affordable pub in Paris as well. Uh, yeah, so shout out, to, shout out to Cereal and Fiji. Her name is literally Fiji. Uh, F-I-D-J-I? F-I-D-J-E? Fiji? Yeah. F-I-D-J-E. Uh, but yeah, amazing little pub. Uh, hosted us so well. Gave us endless turn bread. Kitchen, turn the kitchen back on to cook us dinner after the match. Even though, like, I went in and said, are you doing food? And they, they said, yeah. They didn't even tell me the kitchen was off. And then 45 minutes to an hour later, sausages and chips. We, we probably out. looked like the most depressed three or four people coming in. So I think they may have took pity. But yeah, fed and watered us really well. Um, it was great. But look, back to the game. Let's, you know, I, I'm not here to ask or, you know, be shitty towards people. 
but also we have to hold people accountable. Let's ask the, as the tough questions that are going around as well. You know, we've been sort of harking on a while now that we don't have a succession plan for Sexton, that, you know, we're playing people too much. And, you know, while I think that we don't know for sure if that was an issue come the end of the game, I think Crowley, what I what I said to you, Westy, as well, and I asked you the question, I think it was on the Sunday, but Crowley's there on the bench over Ross Byrne in situations like we needed a Saturday. We needed a score with 10 minutes to go. If Ross Burns on the bench, I can see why you leave Sexton on. I, I see why I can see why you leave Sexton on regardless. He's a talisman, you know. He's our, he's, he's he makes everything tick around him. But uh, yeah, watching back in person, it, again maybe the the drink wasn't helping my vision, but it didn't. It wasn't glaringly obvious he was out on his feet. But watching it back, you're like, oh my god, he's absolutely exhausted. And hey, look at hey, he's thirty fucking six years old or whatever he is, thirty seven. He's going to be tired. It's been a long couple of weeks. Understandably so. But you have Crowley on the bench because he is that young star. He is the guy who has that X factor, that little bit of pace, that little bit of sort of creativity that he he might see a little gap. I'm not saying the gap would have been there, but Wesley should should Sexton have been taken off? As uh, is, is the question. I know what you mean by saying that he was he was clearly out on his feet, but so were a lot of people. Um, I think he was still genuinely playing quite well. He was still running that backline pretty well. You know, it was. We weren't looking for a flash play. We needed a try. We couldn't get into position to go for a drop goal. Um, but I take the overall point, the overall point being that we seemed reluctant to sub him off. And I think part of that's going to come down to nostalgia. Part of that's going to come down to who he is as a player and a person. When you can't take Johnny off with five minutes to go and you're down against his Zealand. Like that's, that's a byproduct of a, of, a, of a bigger thing that we've said for years, which is you can't build a team around one player. Like you cannot have, you can't have, for a better, lack of a better time, you can't have friends in that last five minutes. If someone has to go, someone has to go. I'm not saying that he had to go. I'm just saying that I think there is that air of you, you can't take this player off. It's, you know, it's his moment or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I take the point that he looked direct on his feet. I still think he was playing quite well. Um, and there was probably a fear that without sex and that team doesn't have enough cohesion to score a try and see how, and get the what's necessary to win it. Um but again, and you know, I credited Ireland when we were doing the predictions and said that you know we're a more cohesive team. We we know our you know we play together week in week out. We know who our top, our starting fifteen are. Um, and we said, oh yeah, we've been the one saying we should rotate more. Maybe we were wrong. And I think that you know, I'm not saying we were right, but I think there's a little bit more validation going back in that argument of you have to have someone else to bring on. Like on the other side of that coin. They didn't bring on Damian McKenzie. They didn't bring on um, Christie. Finley Christie. Like they didn't use their bench either. Um, so it's not just us. It's not. It's not a wholly to, to us problem. But I, I, as you said, I, I think if if we have a little bit more, if we really had faith in Crowley, or if we really had faith in Ross Byrne, they, they would come on to see out that game because that's what you need. You need fresh legs, fresh vision, uh, excitement to come on and. and not lifted because I don't think the performance was dropped necessarily or, or like lacking in emotion maybe is the way I should say it. But um, I think, yeah, you have to ask the question now, of, in what context would you have brought Jack Crowley on? Would we have to have been 20 points up? But, you know, it's not, he was brought on in the Stafford game and that, that ended pretty well. But again, it was um, different context. So I don't know the answer. Um, no, and I'm not. I don't I'm think Johnny. Familiar. I don't think Johnny finished badly either. Is, is one thing I want to be very clear about. Like I, I think he finished quite well, although, like other people, he was clearly 
shagged, like most players in that pitch were. Yeah, the the only one thing I'll say to that, I, I agree with you, I don't think he was playing badly, I just think he was noticeably tired. But he's clearly shagged like other players in the pitch are, but he is the only remaining player with a direct, like, or a direct substitute left. Like, there was all of the rest of the bench had been emptied. So the other players were wrecked, so were noticeable, like, you know, Kendall Darris, Ty Byrne for two that were struggling in that 38 phases to get any go forward. They're getting the ball and they were resetting and we were keeping possession, but they were barely able to move. There was no subs left for them to be replaced, but there was for Sexton. And like you both said, is if you don't change him there, when you have a player that's a different type of player to Sexton that is seen as a game changer, that's got the drop goal to win it against uh, Leinster, has kind of really grabbed the being the starter for Munster by the scruff of the neck and moved ahead of Ross Byrne when he was seemingly irreplaceable as the back backup. If you don't trust him to do it then, unless you're 20 points up against New Zealand, you don't trust him to do it then, what was the context in which you were going to bring him in? Is it just for an injury? Because I, I feel like that's a bad use of the bench personally. Uh, and it is, it's a hangover from the last couple of years of not having a direct replacement for Sexton or not getting enough experience into these players' heads or not getting enough experiences so that we can trust them, we're going to have to do it now because Sexton is retired. And that's a big thing. And I'm not shitting on Sexton. I'm really not. Like, I don't think he was bad. I just think he was very noticeably tired. And a change could have been the thing to do it. So. No, I, I'm not. I'm not. I, I agree, Wes. You made a good point. We did say, like, playing the same people over and over again, while we didn't love it, like, in the build up and all that. It was helping them in the World Cup to the, up to a certain point over South Africa and South and Scotland, but then this was the downside. This is the downside for the last couple of years of not having success or not having the trust in. And Kilcoyne's the same. They obviously just don't trust Kilcoyne um, to a certain point, and it it hurt it hurt us as well. But like, let's look at South Africa, who are reigning world champions and uh, now into semi-finals. They get guys off so quickly. See, Cleese's off at a sixty-minute mark. Now I know he's coming back from injury, but I'm saying. You know, if that was Ireland, are we are we are we not ruthless enough? Like, would Raz, Razzie would have whipped Sexton off? I've I've no doubt about that whatsoever. That Razzie would have done that, or Neymar, whoever is actually in charge. We don't really know. I think it's Razzie, but you know what the point is. Like, because that was Sexton, because it was his potentially last game, and I get that we all had that emotion in us, but we can't. Do we let that cloud our judgment when it comes to to the game? Did we not? If we don't trust Crowley, why is he there? Is is another question, and the same with Kilcoyne. Now, the the answer might be they're, they're just not good enough. I I don't agree with that with Crowley, Kilcoyne. I don't, I don't know, but like Westy, is that fair? Do, do you agree? Would Razzie whip them off for ten minutes for that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think Razzie would have taken them off. I also think it's just I was thinking when Sam said that, like, is Jack Crowley? If we're playing a game tomorrow, it's not the World Cup. Let's say whatever. Sexton's retired. Is Crowley our starting ten? I think he is. So if that sentence is true then if he's if we wouldn't bring him on for the last 10 minutes of a game then you know what yeah, is he to us now um, yeah it is it's, but it's that's, a, what, that's what i said man i think i think it's a little bit too much of a, oh like we can't take johnny off in this situation we have to leave it we have to you know i don't mean that like that really sounds like i'm piling on him and been like saying his ego can't take it I, I think as you said we need to be a little bit more rootless in that would that have made a difference? Look, I don't know. I don't know if that's the, the, the change in this game, but you know, maybe, maybe bringing on someone like Kilcoyne a little bit earlier earlier on could be the change in a game because we did give away those scrum penalties, and I'm not blaming one person for that. But if if you have to make a change or something, if you have to change a picture that a referee is seeing, then we have to be braver at making those decisions. And it, 
it's funny because it's not something that I would have associated with Ireland in the last couple of years, but maybe looking back on the World Cup, we were a bit tied to a certain certain group or a certain pack or a certain way of playing. And, you know, even the likes of, you know, Mac Hansen, who had an absolutely brilliant game. Uh, I think the only mistake I can think of that he's made is that one kick out of hand that hits off a New Zealand player and, you know, we just scrambled back. But we ended up with players in the pitch who weren't 100%, you know. Mac ended up going off because of his calf. And I think Jimmy O'Brien played brilliant when he came on, ball in hand. But he isn't that extra playmaker that someone like Mac was. So um, maybe would have been better off bringing on Crowley at fullback and, you know, changing something up there and giving yourselves more options. But again, I think Keir Keenan had a great game too. But I mean, that poor lad must be still asleep because he was everywhere. He must be exhausted. So I think that it, it's, it's okay to pin the question around Sexton. The question is probably around the changes we made and when we made them as a whole. And I think you're right in saying that another, I don't even want to say another coach, I'm saying in another scenario, he gets pulled off. Yeah, I know. Without context, that last sentence is fantastic. But, um, Sam, yeah, like, again, I, I, I want to clarify all of these comments we're making. I'm so grateful for this team for the last two and three years that it's given us. We've won 17 games in a row. We've only lost one. That doesn't change this team, who they are. Um, they're absolutely phenomenal. I, I, I was quite down on our future hopes, but then, Sam, you made a great point that this was in person in Paris, that we have a fantastic under-20 team coming through. You know, the future is still bright. I'm still, you know, Andy Farrell, Andy Farrell can keep leading us. Um, no problem at all. Do we have to talk, though? Like, our line-out hasn't been functional now for quite a few months. Our scrum, like we, you know, we've been seeing it online. Overhill prop, uh, Owen Harrison has been saying constantly that Andrew Porter will get pinged at some stage. Some referee will figure this out, and unfortunately, that all came tumbling down on Saturday night against New Zealand. Do we need to have a look at, at that area of the game and, and maybe see where that all went wrong? Because we lost a we lost a seven man scrum, uh, lost a scrum penalty to a seven man scrum in a huge moment that really, really turned around the momentum, and that you just can't do that, right? Yeah, it's hard to place because the lineout was the envy of the world until it wasn't. You know, we were talking about we were couldn't have been singing Paul O'Connell's praises in terms of what he did for that forward pack and set piece and uh, the structures that were in place when he came into the fold. And it just seems to be throughout this World Cup either not functioning. That might be to do with the fact that you know Sheehan was out for a couple of weeks, or uh, it could be any number of things that add up to it not functioning, but I don't think it's too far away either. And I think that there's come young players coming through like a Joe McCarthy and hopefully in our, our case, a Niall Murray or from a Munster point of view in a dog bow. And I think can add to that line out a lot. And I think that the set piece, I think Paul O'Connell has proven that he's a coach that is able to take something and work with it. So it's annoying that it happened during the World Cup and it's, you know, it's going to be a black spot on this World Cup that hangs in our minds or what could have been if we had a, had a more consistent line-out option or a better uh, set-piece option. But I don't think it's too far away. And I think that this team has shown over the last couple of months that even though we've lost the knockout game, they've shown that they can adapt and that they can build and that they can change. And there will be some changes. It's not going to be as wholesale as someone from the Irish Independent would like you to believe. But there will be... There's a number of... Uh, will either retire or be phased out of the international team over the coming year or two uh, just due to age or moving on or bringing through younger lads and all of that will add up to I, I 
I fully back Andy Farrell on that this coaching ticket. Uh, I don't know if my cat has signed a deal. I read the other day that he's this was the end of his deal, so I don't know if he's signing another deal or is he going to move on somewhere. But I I believe in his coaching ticket's ability to bring through these youth players that have shown on under twenties level that they can and stuff like the line out. I think will work itself out. And then what happens in rugby is it works itself out. We get very good and then someone else works out what we're doing and then they get very good. And that's kind of the the to and fro nature of rugby. You know, people copy each other. And a lot of time people copy Eddie Jones and uh, they they bring through whatever he's doing next. And then he works something new out and then they do that again. And that's that's a funny old way that rugby works. So it was, yeah, it's, it's pull your hair out frustrating that it happened during a World Cup. And it happened as regularly as it did and they didn't have time to kind of work it out. But I I put it back a little bit onto the tactics side of things. And I said we were out tactics there, tacticed by New Zealand. And I think Razzie was close to out tacticing us by addressing that line out that has been so strong for us for so many years. And I managed to kind of bring it down to a level where they were going to be able to compete competitive. Like if you look at the stats, they kick more than us, they kick longer than us. They didn't really want the ball because they knew they could upset us at set piece time. So it's a tactic that worked and it's hugely frustrating, but there's enough, in my opinion, in the bank for these coaches to be able to row in behind them and go, look, they can sort this out. And yeah, a knockout game, losing a knockout game is so, so gut-wrenching. But I think that you come Six Nations, I think that they're, they're roaring to go again uh, with a new set of tactics and and a mix of new players and current players. Yeah, you don't you don't finish second in the Grand Slam, win a Grand Slam, and then go you know seventeen games unbeaten, and then lose one game by four points and a game that was so win- winnable as well. It wasn't like we were outclassed, um, and you know you don't upset the apple car at that stage. So no, definitely not. Also, you know we've obviously we're we're talking a lot about Ireland. We've spoken a little bit about how good New Zealand were, and we have to tip our cap. They were absolutely fantastic. Any supporter I spoken to I spoke to after the game were very. You know they're all sound. After South African fans were all sound as well. They were really, uh, really were a good crack and fantastic accents, all of them. But yeah, it's, look, it's a shame it, it comes to an end. Uh, another quarter final, uh, you know, jinx on us, whatever you want to call it, which is so annoying that we have to wait another four years for that. But um, onwards and upwards, Johnny Sexton bows out, Keith Earls bows out, two two of all time greats. I think Sexton. I think for me is the best Irish player ever. I think it's well, it's one A one B with him and O'Driscoll. I think at this stage, Earl's great servant as well. It's a shame that they bowed out like that, but what a what a last couple of years that they gave. Um, and look at when one chapter closes, another one opens. Uh, for the next four years, it could be Jack Crowley's time now. Well, we don't know. We'll find out. Whoever it is, uh, but exciting times still ahead. Um, any last comments on Ireland, New Zealand, or will we will we finally put? I feel better now. I do feel better after. I, I'm finally getting closure, guys. So thank you for. Thank you for that. I suppose on New Zealand, I think Sam said it earlier as well. Like it, for me, it was mainly the the older contingent of New Zealand who who got that over the line. It was like Bowden Barrett was it was amazing for the whole game. Sam Kane really came through and silenced a lot of how a lot of doubters. Uh, Whitelock and Metallic in the second row were were immense, and of course Sam's best friend Ardy Savea. I do think that particular try. I think that's a really bad defence. I think we should be covering that extra man, but. It's what a finish, and it's a player who had, you know, was everywhere, was attacked every ball and every breakdown. Um, so, so kudos to him. Uh, I thought Aaron Smith as well was outstanding. They have a changing coach coming in now. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Uh, well, sorry, not now. They've got another couple of games to go before uh, before everything changes. But 
Um, yeah, I, I think it was the older heads in New Zealand who who came through for them in that sense. I think, you know, not to, I think Rico Yuani, I think they were great everywhere around the pitch. I just think it, in particular it was the older contingent of the squad that that got them over the line there. So um, how they replace them and how they move on from there will be quite interesting in the next, uh, next you know, post-World Cup, depending on how it goes. And last thing, I think it's been a Connick-centric kind of theme throughout, but uh, Bundyaki was our player of the tournament from an Irish point of view. He played every minute of the game. He scored a, an amazing try. He moved so quickly on his feet. Like, imagine you're defending at 12 and suddenly that battering ram that is stronger than you is also able to dance around you. Uh, I think that kudos has to go to him and whoever helped him to get into the physical peak fitness that put him in that position to play every minute of a World Cup. Uh, he was outstanding and I was just so, so gutted for him. You could see after the match how much it meant to him to be, he was on the pitch there and he was just balling his eyes out. He's in, almost inconsolable points and uh, he was Ireland's player of the tournament. I don't think there'd be many arguments against that statement uh, and hopefully we get more than the five or six games of him for Connacht this year. I'd love to see him, you know, with a big season, maybe even a season or two, just if he has eyes for another Lions tour. And I don't think it's beyond him if he can play like that for the next two years. Uh, he'd definitely be the, the best Northern Hemisphere 12 at the moment, Dante aside, uh, going into a, a Lions if it is there for him in two years. So hopefully Connacht get the, get the benefit of that. Yeah, also shout out to Jack Cohn who played the last like five minutes with, a bit, with one boot on. Uh, that's how he wasn't slipping all over the place. I don't know, so credit to him. Uh, but yeah, great points on Bundy, uh, Mac, and Finley from the Connacht point of view. All all represented incredibly well. They all did. They're 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 a fantastic team, uh, and they gave us many many happy days. I just want to say as well, like a lot of people, we asked a lot of people before the thing, you know, what's a success, what's a failure. I don't think I don't think you can call this a failure. I don't think you can cause losing to three-time world champions by four points in a quarter-final a failure. Like the way they played, the, the work they put in, um, I'm really proud of the boys. I'm bitterly disappointed and I'm heartbroken. And, I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to going to Connacht game at the weekend and, and taking my mind off international rugby for a while. But, um, yeah. So no one's I, ever been disappointed there. <laughs> <laughs> I also, yeah, I, I feel like we need to, I need to air this out for my own sake because it's so embarrassing. Uh, Saturday night, I, we messaged Mark Hansen on Instagram. <laughs> What did you say to him, Smurf? And what with this wee business? It was you messaging. I'm sure you guys egged me on. It wasn't just me. It was definitely no egging on. It was my profile. Leave him alone. Uh, But anyway, what did you say to him? I think we said something along the lines of like (laughs) Mademoiselle, which is a pub that's, what is it, like half an hour from Stade de France, probably? Oh, further. Further, even further. Like nowhere near he'd be, but like we're around for a pint if you want. As if like we're going to console him. Oh, God. I seen someone uh, post as well. They're like, you know, you think your boyfriend's cheating, yeah, but he's actually doing this. And some lad messaged Johnny Sexton saying, "Thank you so much for everything you've done for Irish rugby on it, like Instagram." So, yeah, look, it could be worse. We could be messaging women that we shouldn't be messaging, but now we're messaging Irish rugby stars, uh, asking if they want to come for a pint in a small French pub. So, look, it could be worse. It could be worse. But back, don't worry, you didn't get back to us. We'll catch you some other time for another pint. <laughs> Uh, all right, we'll move on. I'm sure there'll be many more discussions about that Irish game, but we'll move on to the first quarter final that was on the Sunday. England, Fiji. We watched this in a crowded pub and then moved to the fan zone. Also, that fan zone needs to sort itself out. Ridiculously hard to get into. But uh, England come out on top, 30 points, 24 were Fiji. 
Westy, I think we all agree here. This was a huge missed opportunity for Fiji. England did what they needed to do, but Fiji, I think Fiji were the better team for this game. Is is that weird to say? Is that crazy to say? I think it's crazy to say it. I think, unfortunately for Fiji, they didn't get off to their best to start. And I think I said it when we were moving at halftime between two places that I was like, oh, Fiji were a second half team, been a second half team all tournament. But I think they just gave themselves a bit too much to do in the end. And I think it was actually Sam said it when we were watching the, on the big screen, the fan zone. Once the clock went red, Fiji were kind of afraid to play. They were like they were ultra conservative. They weren't willing to kind of to throw the ball around. And I think, you know, unfortunately for Fiji, you know, I, I can say as well that like I don't think they, you know, that, that they kind of left it too late to try and come back. But you know, there's one drop ball there in the middle of the pitch that is, is it Ben Earls picks up and and and, and makes the break. Uh, does he get the try in the end? But it's. It's kind of one drop ball, I think, that kills them in the end. So, I mean, that's one of the beauty of these these four games is that, like, five, ten minutes to go, each game was, was in the balance. And, you know, it is it was the balance of a ball in a lot of cases that that eliminated teams. Um, I, I think, you know, credit where credit is due to England. I thought Marcus Smith was was class at fullback. I, I wouldn't have thought of playing him at fullback, really. Um, I thought they managed the game pretty well, um, even taking those three those two sets of three points, you know, towards the end of the game to just keep pushing Fiji out. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you're Fiji, I think you feel like it is a little bit of a missed opportunity and maybe, maybe haven't lost a weekend before they were a little bit cheapish in, at the start. I don't, I don't know where you put that, that bad start down to necessarily, or again, not that, not that it was overly a bad start, but just, you know, a, a not kind of uh, full on start, but I think they were, um, were they 10, 10 nil down or, no, they were uh, 12, 13 nil down, I think, at one point or, or so. So, um, yeah, just letting England it build up a head of steam, I think it was just, you know, it, and it happens, right? Like it, it, you know, it could have happened to Argentina as well, but they, they were able to come back from it. So, um, you know, was it 21-10 at half time, And then to, you know, with with, uh, with two extra minutes on the clock, you're still there, thereabouts to win it. So I think we should be really proud of the performance. They've come a long way from the last World Cup. Um the key now is where they go from here. If, if they can build it, if they get into the rugby championship, they've been talking about, so we were talking about delaying it for a year or two. I don't see the point in that. If you, if you know you're going to take them in two years, take them now, get them in, get them the experience, build it up, build up the rivalries. Um, but yeah, apart, apart from losing to Portugal, I mean, they should be really proud of themselves for how far they've gotten. First time they've gotten this far in uh, 16 years or so. Um, but yeah, maybe I, I do agree with you they won't like watching that one back necessarily because they will see the chances that they could have taken. Yeah, like Sam, it seems they're the ultimate like one step forward, two steps back team. Like where they do so many great things on the pitch and then it seems to be the basic stuff that all the kind of, especially the Northern Hemisphere teams really nail down well. It's the, the basics, the handling, the passing, the, the rucking and all that. They just don't seem to have that as fine-tuned. Is, is that a fair analysis? One step forward, two steps back. Backwards crossfield kicks, that's sevens rugby for you. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to be messing with you. But no, I agree with your point. I, I do feel like they're still building to being that tier one team with the consistency, the set pieces, the game smart, the management of it. You know, they, they will have felt they'll watch back the, the Wales game. They will have felt that they could won that in the last play and they threw a silly pass. The Portugal game was one that they probably should have just one you know that they would feel that they should have been eating that and this game being where it was and them coming back into it the way they did in the second half they should they 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 will feel that they should have 
pushed on a bit further. I do think that comes with more consistent regular games against top tier teams and being in the rugby championship would do them so well. And hopefully if those rumors are true, it is them or even it is them and Japan coming into the rugby championship because that would be very beneficial for them and very uh, beneficial for rugby across the board because they will develop those abilities to see how games, the experiences of what to do in certain situations, things like scrums, lineouts, all the, the finer stuff you see the throwing the ball around is great to watch, but it doesn't necessarily win. And I think that they know that because of how they changed their style of play after it went to 80. You know, what had gotten them to the one score game towards the end of it was some half breaks, a couple of offloads and some really quick play. And then once it went to 80, they went very conservative. And that's because in their mind, that's the the way to win it in that situation. That's probably going to be a regret because I don't think they played to their strengths at all after 80. And that was really so disappointing to watch from a I say neutral in inverted commas from a neutral point of view in the fan zone there was no English fans whatsoever in that fan zone everyone wanted Fiji to win and uh, they'll they'll look at the game as a whole they'll look at the World Cup as a whole feel they did well feel they could have done better and see a lot to build on which is great they have an unbelievable squad they have some studs in the French League a couple in the English League and then a stronger 15 to 33 or whatever it is, 32 in a World Cup squad, uh, based around that Pajin Drua and other kind of Pacific teams, which is much healthier than where they were in previous World Cups, where they did have those studs, they had the semi randras and the, the huge names playing in France, but then the step down was a step down to some Bunnings NPC level players and nothing really in the odd Super Rugby team, but nothing compared to having... 11 or 12 lads playing week in, week out together in a super rugby team, getting that experience at that level and bringing up the floor. So one step forward, two steps back in this tournament. But I think as a whole, Fiji over the last number of years have been stepping forward and stepping forward. And they rightfully in the conversation for joining the rugby championship, which will be another positive step forward. So they'll be like Ireland and probably a little bit like Wales, disappointed in the result and feel they could have gone on and snuck it and that's what has been the beauty of this World Cup is it's it's been so open you know putting a defi- definitive advancer down on as a win who would be the winner has been next to impossible so far yeah look if Fiji ever do sort it out in terms of the, the stuff that they're lacking then good luck everyone else should be on, on watch they're going to be very very hard to stop but uh, we'll mention England a bit when we look ahead to the South Africa semi-final but well, uh, get on to the last quarter final. Arguably, uh, the as good of a game as Ireland, South Africa, or, or Ireland, New Zealand, if not better. France, uh, South Africa on the Sunday night, twenty nine points to twenty eight. South Africa on top by one point. Um, an absolute. The first half it was uh, it was the record for the most tries in in a first half of a World Cup game, six tries, uh, which is not what I expected from these two. I thought this game would be a bit more cagey, a bit more. Both teams stopping each other, but it, it started absolutely a million miles an hour. Uh, an, an incredible game to watch. Uh, we were watching it in Mademoiselle's, uh, with, surrounded by some French people. Um, we were also cheering for the for the French, I believe, although me and Sam did, did predict the South African win. Um, uh, just a crack of a game. Westy, unbelievable game, unbelievable advert for the, for the, for the sport. Um, did the right team win, in your opinion? Oh, that's such a tough question. Um, yeah, first off, definitely up there, a candidate for a game of the tournament. I was speaking to my dad the other day, and he said this was definitely his game of the tournament so far. Like that first half, you can't move away from the telly. Like anytime you blink, there's you know someone's over. Uh, I think that 
I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that I think that France are probably the better team all round. It's it's some really clever play from Argentina that gets them there. Like Curly Aronson and Ches and Kobe in a tiny bit of space are just the pace to get there. Um, the charge down of the of the conversion, which he definitely was not onside. Um, Oh, no, he was. He definitely was. Uh, no, no, if you look at the screen, if you look at the screen before he runs, he's standing on this side of the try line. He's never no, behind it, the line. It's the, the law says the approach to the ball and the interpretation that some people are throwing out is that it's going forward. He takes a step back first and that's when the time to run because they try it earlier on. The step back is slow, but that is your approaching the ball. So he's onside. It's, no, no, well, I'm, I'm talking about Ches and Kobe on the on the try line is never on the right side of the try line. He's always on the kicker side. He doesn't step back over the line. Oh, didn't see that. Yeah, right. ne- he moves you, the right time. But. Look, it, it, it's perspective of the TV, right? So I'm pausing and I'm looking and I see his feet this side. I don't see the angle. I don't know how they don't check the angle. I don't know how that's not re- reviewed at some point. But anyway, um, I think South Africa capitalized in a few months. I think South Africa actually do really well in the second half to slow the game down because I don't think they think they can keep up with the pace of France or the pace of the France in game play, not the pace of their wingers. Because as we've seen, Aronson and Kobe were just so quick. I think the it's going to sound like a, a, a moot point, but obviously the Ebenezer try is really important. Not necessarily, well, obviously necessarily because of the points that he scores, but the fact that he barrels through them, the fact that it's this monster of a man, you know sitting people down and getting over the line. I think the French heads go down a little bit there. And there's a couple of other mistakes about the game. Look, I'm not going to didn't mean to harp too heavily on decisions because they tend to balance each other out. And even I was thinking to myself a lot of yesterday, I was like, oh, if they had had Entomac, would they have won it? But then watching it back today, I actually think Jallybert played great. Apart from that bizarre kick that ends up behind them. Um, I thought, I, I think if that's anybody else, I think France win it. Um, I just think South Africa, um, yeah, maybe out-taught them, you know, just played a bit of a clever, cleverer game. Um, and, yeah, the, the, the pace on, on Kobe and, and Aaron to, to get those two tries in the corner is just ridiculous. To have, um, to have one player like that is one thing. To have two identical players, <laughs> like in every yeah. facet, is that's selfish. Quite frankly, it's yeah. selfish. Uh, I, I, I think you're right, Westy. I think it's, it's a small matter. Like, it's about even the intercept where he... he Look, I think I I think you should. If it's any way fifty fifty, I think you got to reward an amazing player like that. I think it's I think it's it's either flat or comes back a little bit. But to have the like he's a he shouldn't be that supple and flexible. He's six foot. What is he? Six foot. What is he? What is seven or eight? Six foot seven, six foot eight. He shouldn't be able to do that. And it's it's huge because France started a million miles an hour. Uh, and that that you know that, that stopped you going even more points down. It's it's a huge momentum swing, but I, I like I've been saying for a while. I think South Africa are the most they're the, the mentally strongest team um, in the world. They are they are incredible. It's it's this is why you put up with all the Rassi shit because he has built this siege mentality that is incredible. Um, I think it only especially it works for South Africa like. There's a good clip going around at the moment where you know it's one of the last kind of few phases and Bonambi is going for South Africa, for South Africa, like trying to raise rally the troops and like like imagine Joy Sexton turn around and be like for Ireland, for Ireland, or you know for the for the tech industry. That's what he probably Speaking would be Ireland's say. call on the pitch. Like. Yeah, like you know what I mean for for the Jimmy Heaths of the world. Like it just doesn't work with other countries, but for South Africa it is. It's part of their their culture. It's what won four years ago, and they're still a lot of the same team. 
Um, and they're just, they're never say Diagi. Like Faf, the rip at the end is such a Faf move because he doesn't give up on it. He just, he tries it and it works. And it's just like, they're, they're not, they're not the most lovable team, but my God, they're good. Uh, and they know exactly what they're trying to do. And they're so hard to stop. And they're just so mentally resilient. Like in all these games, they're just never, never out of it. And I, 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 I think they're going to go on to win the whole thing. Um, but we'll, look, we'll see. But Sam, what was your thoughts on, on this game? It's so funny you say they're not the most lovable team because uh, remember last week we were talking about like being better than some of your parts, whereas I think that these are less lovable than some of their parts. I think if you've got like Kitsov independently, he's lovable. Epsivet, Sia Khaleesi, like Faf, Reinach, Libok, uh, Dielande, uh, Creel, Willemset, like Ches and Kobe, these are all lovable players. And then when they become South Africa, they become this horrible unit and you go, fucking South Africa, I hate them. But they they out tactic. I think. I think that they won this through through brilliant play and yeah through kind of the bounce of the ball much like the Ireland game they were amazing they are amazing I think they'll be very hard to beat uh, but watching the game back you know it's it was bitter we were in a pub with French people wanting them to win because we kind of wanted a bit of atmosphere and we wanted to, a little lift up and we had all adopted uh, being French for the evening because we wanted the people around us to get something and then they were low and then it took a big piece of brownie to get me to be in any way less upset afterwards. So it was a brilliant game of rugby. It was amazing to watch. I think both teams were fantastic. I think Wesley did a great point. Like, I don't think Entomac makes a difference there. I think Charlie Bear really stood up. And that's the sort of performance that you can look at your sub out half and go, now we have two viable options. Charlie Bear has always been a good option. Now he's a viable option. It's not the big step down from Entomac. He stepped up. He put his big boy pants on and he did it. Uh, DuPont, amazing recovery from facial surgery to be able to play was it 80 minutes. I don't don't think he came off. Uh, Olivon, just sexiest man on the planet, leading the team. So they're they're both amazing teams and it's sad to see them go, but that's knockout rugby for you. Uh, that's the way it is. So when you see these fine margins, you see these things and there's a couple of people calling out for reviews on them. And I always hark back to the idea that it's, you know, if we're arguing about it on super slow-mo, then it's definitely not a clear and obvious error and it should just be left. Like, if it's clear and obvious error, yeah, change it. But TMO shouldn't be going down to millisecond kind of viewings and going back and forth and drawing lines and doing their best of our impression. It's that That's not clear and obvious in the slightest. So, like, fair play to South Africa. They won the game. Uh, I don't think you can say, oh, France lost that game. I think that South Africa won it through some good play, some tactics and a stroke of luck, which is what you need to win any game rugby, really. Yeah, does under France. We'll, we'll finish in this game with this. But Fra- how did France look back at this World Cup, Westy? Like you could argue that they should be more disappointed even than Ireland because home World Cup has been building for a while. They've been so so good now for a long time, um, and to go out to quarterfinals is, is disappointing. Obviously, look, that's you know draw related, and like no one's going to argue and sit here and say that England are a better team than France and Ireland or or Argentina or anything like that. But to, to to go out like that, you know, Dupont makes some comments after the game that I'm sure he's not proud of, probably in the heat of the moment about the refereeing, uh, which doesn't look good. But it, how do France, it can only be viewed as a disappointment, right? Yeah, I think, although the game is arguably closer, I think the context, it can't not be a missed opportunity. You know, it's, it's a home World Cup in front of a home crowd with... Uh, with a with a great generation of players coming through and, and and a great kind of two or three years of preparation put in, not quite the kind of um, 
and I kind of, and I mean this in a good way, not not quite the kind of air of invincibility that we might have built around ourselves, but kind of an air of okay, they lost a game to Scotland, but the next weekend they came back and showed that they're well capable of beating them. They um they, they, they've they put results together and, and and they they put a good squad together. Um, I think the key thing for France and and this isn't going to be um any consolation anyway at the minute is that they have substantially completely fundamentally turned rugby around in their country in the last four years you know that they're i know they ran out in the quarterfinal in, in japan as well but looking back on where that international team was versus where this international team was i, I don't think it's even you're not even talking about the same type of sport there's all reports of four years ago teams that are players not been to ours by playing for france players want to get back to their club and get on with their lives so um I think they've re-established themselves as a dominant force in rugby and, and a force that rugby definitely needs. Um, unfortunately, that is of absolutely no solace to anybody who was anywhere near that squad on, on Saturday you know, or on Sunday. They will feel like they had a chance to win a, a home World Cup and um, you know they beat New Zealand in the, in the group stages. You can uh, you can say whatever about playing them again, and you're you're almost definitely right. But France won't see it that way. France will say, "Oh, we we beat them already. We could beat them again." Um, so this was this would be the main. The, they would have thought that after getting through this hurdle, it, you know, it's 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 not easy, but it's you know, it's this was their biggest challenge. Perhaps us in the final, maybe if we'd gotten through. But um, yeah, I think they will feel like this is an opportunity that slipped away. But again, it's a re- it's quite a young team overall. I think that. There, there should be still a good chance for a lot of these players to maintain this team for another four years. But home World Cups don't come around very often. Never if you're us, only twice every 12 years if you're French. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's really interesting to think about. Like it's That's the problem when it's, you know, the World Cup, like it's only down to eight teams that... You, you lose big you lose big teams uh, before you go into the semi-final. That's just the look of the draw. That's just the way it is. But yeah, Sam, go ahead. But they deserved to lose when they took Cyril Bay off when he was on a hat trick uh, after 50 minutes. That that was the prop hat trick was there, and they ruined it for themselves. So I'm I, they deserve everything they get. Fuck them. No, it's, um, uh, that's that's the analysis you're not going to get anywhere else. That's a great point. It's a great point. Yeah. That's why you should be paid. That's why we should be behind a paywall like off the ball. Also, <laughs> rugby is unfair when forwards like Malvaca exist. Like he should not be a front row. That lad is like Dan Sheehan is athletic. That lad is a freaking nature. Like. Yeah, I know it's 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 they're so it's so crazy that Ireland and France are out. It's just it's so it's mental. I, it hasn't really sunk in yet, but like let's look ahead to the semi-finals before we quickly touch on the URC being back. Argentina, New Zealand, which is on Friday. I forgot it's on Friday, um, at eight o'clock, uh, which would be nice. And then England, South Africa is on the, the following night on Saturday night. Argentina, New Zealand. Look, there's two clear favorites in both of these semi-finals, but. You know, anything can happen, especially with Argentina and England. England, you, you never quite know. I don't think they're that great, but they've they've won every game so far. <laughs> they they know how to win. Um and they've they've got history with South Africa that they'd like to avenge from four years ago. So who knows? Argentina has said it can click on any moment. I I can still see them scoring three or four tries uh, against the All Blacks. It's just a case of can New Zealand score a bit more uh, and kind of reproduce what they, the the bit of magic that they did against us. Uh, I still see New Zealand, South Africa in the final, which is kind of the final I, I would like to watch, probably most out of all you know iterations. Um, but I don't know, convince me otherwise. Westy, what do you think? Any any chance of upsets here? 
there's not a lot of chance for an upset. Um, I think your best bet is still New Zealand South Africa. I, I will quote something that I've said a few times before, although I don't think New Zealand and South Africa are the best examples of this, but we do see quite often in World Cups teams get a big performance and follow it by not being able to get to that same level. We saw it in an Irish context when we beat France in the um in the last well, last game of the group stages in twenty fifteen and then couldn't get anywhere near that level of performance again the following week against Argentina. Uh, we saw it with England in the last World Cup where they played the game of their lives against New Zealand and then the following week against Africa. I think, although South Africa were brilliant, I think they'll be disappointed. that They, they will admit that they were not at the same level. Um, so I think it can be very, very difficult in a Rugby World Cup context to follow up a big performance with, a, you know, with an equally big performance. Um, I think those two performances from New Zealand and South Africa, I don't think anybody will disagree that the two of the biggest performances ever in a World Cup. So I think if Argentina can tighten up some of the loose ends and and, um, and, and and keep improving, they might be able to, there's a chance they catch New Zealand on kind of uh, just not able to get to quite such a high level. Um, I, I think New Zealand will find a way to win it. I think, I don't think Argentina have shown that they have quite near enough to beat them uh, this time around, though they have beaten them kind of twice in the last uh, two or three years. Um a similar case for England, South Africa. England, as you said, will want to um, want to avenge something they felt got away from them four years ago. But um, I just think this South Africa team are, are a level above um, what England are capable of. So I, I do, I, I do think there are there are chances. There are a bigger chance than you might think, looking at the team sheets. Um, but uh, if the if either of those two teams can can get anywhere near the standard that they showed at the weekend, it's very hard to see them going out. If it was us, I'd say Argentina would definitely be us. <laughs> yeah, uh, I kind of I agree with Wesley across the board. I think it's World Cup semi-final. If you're not able to get up for the game, what are you in it for? So Argentina will be up for it. England will be up for it. But I feel New Zealand and South Africa are better teams right now. The romantic rugby fan in me would like to see Argentina go all the way and win it because you want to see another winner you like an underdog story all of those things the realist in me thinks that it'll be a New Zealand South Africa final and I genuinely actually believe that New Zealand will win it I'm quite a big fan of New Zealand in terms of their rugby players and a lot of the players that they have and I like the way that they play and I think it seemed to have clicked against Ireland and I think that they if they can do that they can upset South Africa in the way that they upset upset Ireland so I think New Zealand will go all the way I'd love to see Argentina go all the way. A New Zealand-South Africa final will be the best spectacle for everyone. Uh, I'd love to see South Africa put 50 on England. <laughs> it would just be so good. Just to really be like, look, it was easy to get here. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we we need some big, heavy defeats here, really. Uh, yeah, look, at that, that sums up our quarterfinal talk. Let's quickly look ahead to URC. It's back. Weekend one is coming this weekend. Uh, Connor to play Ospreys it's a home game unfortunately I won't be there I'm wedding wedding venue shopping uh, but Westy and Sam you both will be there so that's great you'll be su- supporting the podcast for us but um, exciting again with the World Cup I haven't really dug into Connacht but exciting you know again Shane Bolton's injured again like come on can we can we get him healthy please can we get him on the Bundy regime um, but look at you know Ospreys came 13th last year not a great team, Ireland or Connacht. Um, exciting team, I think. I, uh, so some exciting new additions. I'm excited to see what the team sheets like. Um, they'll be raring to go as well. So I'm, I'm excited for this weekend. I'm pretty hopeful of, of a win. Um, and you guys are going, so you guys must be pretty excited too. Westy, you must be buzzing to get back to the sports ground. 
I am, yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we've made the joke already that, you know, car accidents never cause us any heartache, but... Um, no, I love I love the sports ground. We always I'm a Colac fan first and foremost. Um, and I'm looking forward to a good day. Like like it, it's such first world problems, right? But like I've been away for most of the Ireland games, so like it is going to be nice to be here on a Saturday, go down to the sports ground, watch the game, maybe down to Murphy's afterwards and watch the the, the semi final after it. So it's just going to be nice to kind of um, be here and kind of soak up some of the atmosphere of it. So um, we have a pretty good team. We have a pretty strong team available. Um, as I say Ospreys didn't have their best season uh, last season and they are still missing a few I'd say from the Welsh team I'm not sure how other countries handled that return to play after such a grueling World Cup but, <laughs> if um, you're playing for Bath you're on the bench the next day so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah look I'm just excited for, for the competition to come back I think we've really good squad we had a relatively successful season last year um, the Hiding Cup is now on completely on meritocracy so you have to worry about any ridiculous finishing rules. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to be back in the sports ground. I love the idea of Westy hearing uh, the Cheers theme song every time he walks into the sports ground. <laughs> Where everybody <laughs> knows your name. Nobody knows my name in the sports <laughs> ground. Everyone calls you Mac. That's the problem. <laughs> I thought you went back till December, Mac. It's great to see you. Don't scrub that, Mac. No, I'm I'm like you said, Smurf. I actually the most exciting part about this, yeah, going to sports ground is brilliant. The home of rugby, apparently. Uh I maintain it's a home of rugby, not the home of rugby. But uh, I think the most exciting part is the team sheet coming in because of the amount of acquisitions we've got. Shame Sean Jansen's out for a couple of weeks, Shame Santi Cordero's out for a couple of months, and you know, Shane Bolton's out for a while. But it does seem to be quite a healthy group. I think you'll see Joe Joyce starting. I think you'll see one of the um, the very seven players kind of getting in on one of those wings there. Uh, big year for Kilgallen. Definitely an opportunity now with Mac coming back from the World Cup and an injury. Anger has an opportunity to step up. So I think it's a really exciting uh, team sheet. The first team sheet of the season is always really exciting to see which way they go, especially with a new coach. In the preseason, Ports played a bit of 15, which we've been calling for for a while. Uh, so to see what shakeup they go with uh, and then JJ to come off the bench or to start, whatever it's going to be. Really exciting times this year. So uh, that's kind of actually more exciting to me right now than the match uh, because it's coming, I, I presume, Friday. We get the team sheet for the Saturday kickoff. So we'll wait and see how it goes. And, uh, yeah, it'd just be nice to get back into the sports ground. For for not the last time, but the first time of the 2023-2024 season, it's Angier, okay? It's not Anger, okay? So Angier. let's get that bit. We're back. We're officially back when you got an Angier uh, <laughs> referencing. Uh, but we'll wrap it up there, lads. Thank you, as always. It's been a great World Cup. Thank you for uh, bringing myself and my fiancé along, which is for the quarterfinal. It was great to have you. He's a great tour guide. Uh, we didn't get lost when he's left, which is great. But, yeah, Ireland is out. But look, at it. we'll always be back. And we're back with URC next week, uh, which would be fantastic. We'll also <laughs> recap as well the semifinals too. But I don't think um, you would even bother with the semifinals. URC is I mean, bad. We're bad. I know. I know. We're, so, we're so petty. But, anyway, lads, appreciate it as always. Catch us next week. Night-night.